it's a really fun discussion that you that you're bringing up here. What do you do with your money after you're debt free? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage Kids and Money Podcast, everybody. My name is Andy Hill. And today is the first Monday of the month, my friends. That means we're not answering one, but two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. That's right. We're kicking it up a notch a little bit here, people. So actually, what's happening is that I'm just getting a lot more questions, and I um, I don't want to not answer them, so uh, we're doing two this week. <laughs> After our questions... Uh, we're highlighting our Money Master of the Week. And last but not least this week, our FinTech Spotlight segment will feature Melissa Lowry from Zelle. She and I are going to be talking about the boom in the digital payment world as of late and how their company fits into the picture. All right, let's jump into today's show. Our first question of the month comes in from Brian from Michigan. Hi. After reading one of your millionaire interviews, I found your debt freedom story and your path sounds like mine. My wife and I have gotten serious about paying off our debt after we learned she was pregnant six months ago. Wow, cool, Brian. That's awesome. We are now nearing the debt-free finish line. Only two more months to go and we'll be student debt-free, car debt-free, and credit card debt-free. Really all debt-free outside of our mortgage. <laughs> I like the clarification there. All in all, we'll have about 600 bucks extra each month when we're done. Outside of going on a weekend getaway to celebrate, uh, he says in parentheses here, no drinking because of the baby, snap. <laughs> we want to keep building wealth. Any suggestions for the extra cash each month that will keep us moving forward? Thanks for putting together those interviews. They are inspiring to read. Thanks for your help. Brian. Solid debt crush in there, Brian. Way to go, man. And uh, congrats on your upcoming fatherhood. It's um, it's a really fun discussion that, you, that you're bringing up here. What do you do with your money after you're debt-free? It's kind of cool. It's kind of freeing, right? What 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 are the options? What am I going to do now? You know, and and a lot of a lot of what's out there is is the goal line is debt freedom, right? You feel like, "All right, I'm debt free. I did it." Now what? Right? <laughs> I remember feeling really excited when we paid off all of our student loans, our car loans, and I had a, um, a home equity line of credit. It was about fifty thousand bucks, Brian. So uh, I know how you're. I know how you're feeling, man. The stress oozed off of my shoulders when it was gone. I loved it, and I'm sure you and your wife and your new addition are gonna love being debt free too. Not surprisingly, Mr. Brian, I have a list of wealth building considerations for you when you're debt free. This is this is my department, man. So let's go through them, and hopefully you will find one that resonates with you. I've got five here that I'm going to go through. Number one, build up your savings. I don't know exactly how much liquid savings you've got now, Mr. Brian, but given that your wife is pregnant and you're in the sort of protect and grow the family mode, it could not hurt to have a little bit more. Nicole and I 
have always felt pretty good with about three months of expenses and savings. Uh, Some people like a year's worth or others like six months or one month because they'd rather have some more in the market. Find the flavor that works for you, Brian. There is no right one single answer. There isn't. There isn't. You just have to do what is right for you. Honestly, whatever you do, there are only positives to having a large amount of liquid savings. I can't think of any negatives. You know, there, there might be people out there saying, well, you should have some more in the market. Who cares? You're safe. You've got money in liquid. You, you could always use liquid money. <laughs> Number two, ensure you have proper insurance coverage. Ensure that you're insured. <laughs> Sometimes when you're paying down this debt, right, we, we kind of limit all of the expenses so we could get the job done real fast. And now that you're debt-free, or you're, you're nearing the finish line, as you say, I would reassess your insurance coverage. One thing majorly right away, do you have, Brian, life insurance for yourself? Assuming you are making some dough, I would definitely get some right away because you're probably providing an income for you and your wife. And if she lost you, God forbid, she and your newborn would be in a pretty rough spot. So get some term life insurance right away. For a young, healthy guy, you you can get some really inexpensive policy, for sure. I have, just to give you a barometer, I've got about a million bucks in a policy, and I pay about $50 a month, $55 a month. And it's a, it's a good investment, in my opinion. Nicole also has some on her, even though um, she's been doing the stay-at-home mom thing for a while. It's still good to have for both parties. Um, and you know, not all insurance carriers are equal. You know, there, there, there's going to be some ones that are going to be out there trying to sell you some stuff you don't need. Two companies that I like are Quotacy and Select Quote. They shop for the best deals for you. I actually had the founder of Quotacy. I met him for dinner in uh, Dallas last year. Super great guy. I invited him on the show to learn a little bit more about his term life insurance evangelist, uh, nature. And, um, he told me all about his company. And if you want to check that out, I'll put that in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about how they service their clients. It's also good to hear from the owner just to, you know, kind of understand what you're getting into. Number three, increase your retirement savings. So depending on where you and your wife are working right now, you both might be able to have an opportunity to Take advantage of 401k, some some matching 401k dollars, free money. So check with your benefits rep at work. And just just if you don't know about the match, you gotta you gotta learn about it. This could be free money that you are missing out on. And if you do have the opportunity for the matching money, I would increase your 401k contributions to take full advantage of the match. Again, I can't, how many times have I said free money? <laughs> That's more money for you and your wife to have a nice, cozy, comfortable retirement. Take advantage of compound interest and it will take care of you. Outside of the 401k, you can look at increasing your retirement savings in a traditional or Roth IRA, individual retirement arrangement. Maximum contributions for 2018 are $5,500 per year. So that's 2018, everybody, just in case you're listening to this in 2019. They've done some cool things. But 
with that uh, amount, you guys are saving now 600 bucks a month or when you're, when you're done with the debt, you could max out a whole IRA with that and still have a couple grand left over. So great way to build your wealth, grow your net worth, take advantage of compound interest. So that's number three. Number four, put away some savings for a 529 college savings account. College costs for your unborn child, my friend Brian, are going to be bonkers in 2036. That's when your baby's going to college. 2036 kind of sounds crazy. There's probably going to be flying cars and a lot more robots doing a lot of our jobs and $300,000 college costs. <laughs> a way to prepare for this nutty college expense is uh just getting a 529 college savings account going early right away do it right away that way you are taking advantage of 18 plus years of compound interest in the market now for you you can't start one just yet because your child isn't born it's not alive and not only do they need to be alive but they also need to have a social security number so i know isn't that nuts you can't start it if it's not alive give me a break <laughs> but what you can do is start putting a little bit of money away in a separate savings account so that once your baby is screaming, pooping, and cooing, you'll be ready to start an account with a healthy initial deposit. So it's a good, it's a, it's a good way to go. Nicole and I did this. We saved up about 10,000 bucks for Zoe's fund and started it the month after she was born. Uh, Cal, I think Calvin got the shaft a little bit though. He, I think we only had two grand for him. When he was born, I don't know. We were a little bit more gung-ho in 2012 than we were in 2014. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> we're working on catching up for you, buddy, uh, uh, Calvin there. So anyway, check that out, Brian. That's, a, that's another good strategy for you. Number five, make extra mortgage payments a habit now. If the idea of mortgage freedom sounds interesting to you, start making some extra principal payments starting today. Well, starting when you're starting when you're debt free. Sorry about that. The amount is totally up to you. You can totally play with some awesome mortgage calculators online and see what extra monthly principal payments will do to the amount of time you actually have a mortgage. It's amazing once you start plugging in the numbers. And I'll put one of those in the show notes for you to for you to check out. Um, but uh, it's amazing how quickly it can go down. And uh, we were actually, we were just talking about this in the Thriving Families Facebook community. Shout out to our Facebook community at marriagekidsmoney.com slash FB group. Uh, these calculators became a, 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 a source of conversation. People were throwing out different ones for people to try and how it can be a good motivator for mortgage freedom. So again, I'll put that in the notes for you guys to check out uh, and Brian for you to play with. So Brian, those are our five ideas for you to consider with your extra dough post debt freedom. I know you said you're still a couple months away, but it's going to be here in no time, man. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're setting aside time to celebrate with your wife too. Kudos for you on that, man. Enjoy this time together. You have two months before you are parents. This is a really special time in your lives. And you guys are doing some really incredible work together, building your wealth and you're in love and you've made a baby. <laughs> what else could you ask for? 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you in your journey to financial freedom? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and give your family the best life possible. I'm working with clients all around the US via video chat, and I'm supporting in the following areas, becoming debt-free, connecting with your spouse about money, developing a monthly cash flow plan, hitting your savings goals, and crafting strategies to build your family's wealth. If you're interested in chatting, you can request a free 30-minute consultation by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com and clicking on the Work With Me tab at the top of the page. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Final question of the month comes in from Allison from Missouri. Hi, Andy. You've said that Nicole keeps you balanced with actually living life while you are trying to reach your financial goals. How do you balance kids' activities and optional expenses? My kids are four and one, and we have just started to branch out into formal activities like swimming lessons and gymnastics classes. I know that parents can go nuts with fun and enriching activities and kids' events, easily spending hundreds of dollars a month. I'm not interested in being a tightly scheduled family or spending tons of money on activities, but I also don't want to lean too far into the quote unquote living in a cardboard box territory. I think that, I think I've said that in the show before. <laughs> I'd love to hear your perspective on how your family balances kids' activities and expenses. Thanks, Allison. Allison, what great timing for this question. This is so funny. Nicole and I are um, are planning out our our September and uh, the school year, and we were just having conversations about signing up for too many things or or what are the right things. And and this is actually where Nicole and I flip the spender and saver roles. It's interesting here. I am the one that likes to spend a lot more when it comes to my kids activities and maybe because playing sports and being a uh, you know part of teams was really important to me growing up. Uh and now I just way 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 oversign my kids up for things. <laughs> so actually here are a few of the expensive kids sports failures slash follies that uh that I've done. So I, I signed up Calvin for swimming lessons when he was a baby. Um, and I, I thought this was like a, you know, a bonding opportunity for me and him and, you know, and then he's going to learn to swim. Right. So I did it. I did it from when he was like a very young baby through his second birthday. And, uh, let's just say now he's four years old and he doesn't know how to swim at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a very expensive bonding time, I guess we'll say. Uh, another one was me signing up for Zoe, uh, signing Zoe up for soccer when she was two uh, she literally would lay down in the middle of the field and start crying while all these other kids just ran or ran right around her. It, it, it was, uh, it was no good. And at one point the coach came up to me and said, you're going to have to pick up your kid, uh, or she's going to get trampled. <laughs> and then the last, uh, the last expensive folly that I had is that I, um, I must have not learned anything because I signed up Calvin as well for soccer at two. 
and it was pretty much a repeat of what happened with Zoe. He was cold. He was crying. He just wanted me to hold him the whole time. I mean, he's two. What, what did I expect? To tear him to go out there and, you know, be Pele? Like, <laughs> so what, I guess what did I learn from all this? I guess I suppose I should have waited on all of these activities and I probably would have saved a boatload of money and, and time. But but hey, you know, I, I got some funny stories out of it at least, right? <laughs> Allison, actually, Nicole, if you're looking for an expert, it's not me. Nicole is the one that is going to be a, uh, a good sounding board on this one when it comes to moderation with the kids' activities. She really wants to not overwhelm our schedule and not waste our money when we could be using it on other activities and things that make us all happy. So here are a few of my wife's words of wisdom on this one that I'm, I'm actually still learning. So number one, the kids can pick one activity at a time. So for example, if we've signed Zoe up for soccer in the fall, which we've done, then uh, no, Andy, uh, we can't sign her up for dance as well. <laughs> Even if she really, really wants to. <laughs> what, what, what will happen, what my wife reminds me, is that Zoe's going to get overwhelmed. And quite honestly, since I, I'm so busy with my day job and all this other wacky stuff I'm doing like the podcast, I won't be able to take her to all these activities. So Nicole is going to be running around town for practices, games, meets, recitals, whatever you call it. And it just won't bode well for our family time, our, you know, our downtime and quite frankly for our marriage. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two, pick age appropriate activities, even if they have a class for it, just because they have swimming class for babies doesn't mean that it's a good idea or a good investment just because they have soccer for two-year-olds doesn't make it a good idea. You got to think about it. Youth sports. I was just reading about this is a $15 billion industry. So beware if you're being sold into something that's not really worth it. I, I'm Allison. I'm mostly speaking to myself right now. I just, <laughs> just reminding myself of these things, but uh, also hopefully somebody's taking away something just to just not put their kid in a two-year-old in soccer class. Number three, balance the school year with athletics and then summertime with learning. This was a recent gem from my, my bride, Nicole. We noticed that uh, Zoe lost a little bit of her kindergarten math skills and her reading skills and her Spanish skills over the summer. I guess uh, maybe too much iPad time. But uh, anyway, so for next summer... Nicole thought instead of doing multiple athletic focused camps, which we did this summer, we should consider some camps for learning. So science camps or STEM camps or math camps. She actually got invited by one of her girlfriends to do that. And we had passed because we had already signed her up for a gymnastics class. But after we you know, saw how this summer went, we feel like um, it's not a bad idea now to maybe keep her sharp during the summertime. There's lots of downtime in the summer. And then during the school year, when her little six-year-old brain is fried from all the learning all day, we can involve her in sports then to help her get some exercise and have fun and, and uh, hang out with her buddies. So, Allison, those are some of our thoughts. <laughs> I know they're kind of all over the place, but uh, honestly, we're, we're young parents like you. We have no clue. We're just figuring it out, honestly. Uh, Zoe's six and Calvin's four. 
So I'm sure we're going to learn a ton more as they, as they grow up. Um, I'm sure that I'll sign them up for more classes, camps and adventures in the future. Maybe some, maybe some good ones and, and some more bad ones. Whatever happens though, I hope that they love one of those activities and it becomes a passion of theirs and, um, and, and something that just makes them really happy. That's, that's something I had when I was a child. You know, I, I did a lot of different activities and then I centered on football. I, I became really into football ever since I was, um, probably eight, eight years old. I played for about 10 years. I loved it. It was, um, great bonding, uh, great athletics. Uh, I was, I was good at it. It made me feel good. And I hope, uh, Zoe and Calvin find something that they like just like that. So thanks for connecting, Allison. We'll, uh, we'll see you back in the Thriving Families Facebook group where I, I see you contributing some awesome posts. I loved your frugal ketchup post. She, she showed us how, how frugal she is that, the, you know, you're, you're, you got the one ketchup bottle that's uh, almost empty and then you got the one that's full. She said, hey, how many people uh, uh, see this as a, a common occurrence in their kitchen? And a lot of people chimed in saying, oh, yeah, we do that. <laughs> If you have a question like Brian or Allison, please contact me at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I absolutely love answering these questions and I'm so happy that I had more than one this week and uh, I hope you all enjoy the feedback because uh, I'm going to keep doing it. Now it's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Sherwin from Florida called in to share a recent retirement savings win. Take it away, Sherwin. This is uh, Sherwin from Florida. I just wanted to share my recent win and crossing the six-figure mark in my 401k. How did I do it? It started in 2011, and I started uh, just increasing my contributions yearly, and now I'm to the point where I'm now maxing out my 401k at 18500 yearly. Uh, my advice would be to... Uh, Every every bonus, every salary increase that you get yearly, just throw it at your 401k. That's money that you uh, won't miss and that you're increasing. So I would uh, advise you to do that. That's what I did. I look at it as growing your asset. It's planting those trees and keep watering. My next financial goal will be uh, hitting 200k in three years. In the next three years. And being a 401k millionaire before I reach 50. $100,000 in Sherwin's 401k. That is incredible. Sherwin, did you know that you now have more in your 401k than 50% of the U.S.? And that's according to Northwestern Mutual's 2018 planning and progress study. So it's, it's gotta be real. <laughs> so in short, you are killing it, sir. Nice work. I love how you're looking ahead as well. You know, you got that $200,000 goal in three years and then a 401k millionaire by 50. What a cool thing. I've never heard of that 401k millionaire. That sounds like a, a something um, we got to put out there for people to strive to. That's very cool, Sherwin. And everybody, this isn't magic. This is Sherwin taking advantage of his workplace 401k, probably getting some sort of nice match, letting the funds compound each year, increasing his contributions, like he said, with bonuses and things like that each year. And then the most important step leaving it alone, not touching it. That is the key, not touching it and letting it grow. 
Sherwin, thank you so much for motivating us all to save for our retirement and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? I would love to hear it, my friends. Email me again at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash, you guessed it, voicemail. I would love to hear from you. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring Zelle, the peer-to-peer payment system that is part of a wave of Americans using digital wallets instead of physical ones. I've invited Zelle's VP of Marketing, Melissa Lowry, on the show today to tell us more about Zelle and how it can help us easily send money to friends and family. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Well, I understand Zelle is fairly new to this peer-to-peer payment world. How long has the company been around? Well, it's interesting because the Zelle brand is fairly new, so that's only been around for about a year. But the company behind Zelle is called Early Warning, and Early Warning has been around for about 25 years in the payments and risk business. So we're bringing a lot of experience and expertise to the table to make sure that we have a fast, safe, and easy way for people to spend money. Excellent. Well, you know, I've 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 heard of Zelle just because I've done some research uh, on your company, but Venmo has been around for a little while, and it's a widely known name, and it's with the PayPal grouping that just recently happened, it's it's grown quite a bit. How how does Zelle differ from Z- Venmo? You know, we think because of the relationships we have with our bank partners, we're in a really unique position. Zelle, you can access directly through your bank's online banking experience or mobile banking app, which I think is really great because for a lot of people, the last thing you want to do is download yet another app onto your phone. You're already using your Wells Fargo app, your Bank of America app. So you can just go right into that app and find Zelle and enroll to start sending and receiving money. So I think that's something for us that's been a real benefit for our customers. Um, And if your bank is not part of the network, if it's not offering Zelle yet, we do also have a standalone Zelle app that that you can download and use. But I love the ability to just use an app that's already on my phone. And about 100 million people already have apps on their phone that offer Zelle. So um, it's an easy and convenient way to get started with Zelle. Um, And we also, another thing that's really great about the Zelle experience is that the money you spend goes directly into your recipient's bank account after they've enrolled. So it doesn't sit in any third-party app somewhere. So after I send you the money, it'll show up in your bank account within minutes. Got it. So no waiting period. And then really there, the, the main benefit is the major bank that you're with already, you can transfer this money uh, right from that app. And I, I did this personally. I was, I, I'm with PNC and I saw that as one of the mm-hmm. major banks that you're with and yeah, pretty, pretty quick and simple. So, okay. I, I, I get it. I'm, I'm trying to help everybody understand too, who's listening today. So uh, let's talk about digital payments in general. There, there's been a boom with, with people paying this way. Yeah. Uh, I understand you guys did a study recently. W- what did you learn from the study and why has there been so much growth lately? Yeah, and you're totally right. There has been so much growth. I think if we had done this study a few years ago, it would have painted a very different picture. Um, But yeah, we're seeing that across generations, more and more people are using digital payments, you know, to send and receive money with friends and family. And one of the really interesting things that we learned from the study, um, which now that we see that, it's like, yeah, that totally makes sense, but that trust is really at the heart of this consumer payment relationship and making decisions about how you're going to pay people. Um, You trust and rely on what are your friends and family doing in that space? How are they sending money to people? 
And if they're doing it a certain way, you're more likely to do it. But also what came up a lot, particularly with an older demographic, was trust in your financial institution. So if your financial institution offered a service, then you'd be more likely to try it. So we think we're just starting to reach this really viral tipping point in the the peer-to-peer payment space where you're seeing more of your friends and family try it, so that makes you more comfortable, and then you may try it and send it to others, and then they're going to try it. But also with services like Zelle, since it's offered by your bank, and that gives you that extra level of comfort, um, that that's really expanding it beyond just perhaps a millennial audience into an older demographic who otherwise may have been a little less likely to try some of these payment services, but... If it's offered by their bank and they trust their bank, then it gives them just enough uh, extra trust to, to try it out. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. You know, I mean, uh, some some of these apps that pop around that ask for your information right away, you know, I think we've become very trusting. But then there's also some some things that pop up in the news that say, oh, your uh, your your information's been compromised. Uh, good luck with that. You know, so so what do you guys do around yeah. security to make people feel good? I mean, what you just said in your statement, obviously, you're partnering with these banks, which gives people the trust already. But, you know, how, do, how does security work? How are how are people feeling good about partnering with Zelle and transferring their money? Yeah, that's a great question and a really important one. It's, security is something we take, obviously, extremely uh, extremely seriously. It's so important and really at the core of what we're doing. And one of the reasons why this was a great way for early warning to expand and offer Zelle because of our experience and risk and authentication and keeping people's data safe, um, which helped the banks feel really comfortable in working with us. But so we do a few different things. We have authentication and monitoring features within the Zelle app. So if your bank doesn't offer Zelle, you can still use it by downloading the Zelle app. And we use, you know, advanced authentication features there to make sure that the information you're inputting is kept safe. We have fraud prevention experts that are monitoring the Zelle network 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we're always watching out um, for any new frauds or scams that are coming up. And also, you know, again, by leveraging the bank's apps, they have, you know, decades of experience in keeping your account information safe. So you're working directly with the bank that you already trust, that already has your information. And since the money's being sent directly into your bank account, um, your banks are watching over that too. So we're able to really leverage both our own extensive experience as well as, you know, the extensive investment that the banks have put into this. Um, and then finally, in addition to all the things that we're doing, we also really feel it's important to empower our customers to understand what they should be doing to keep themselves safe as well. So consumer education and really being an advocate for them about how they can stay safe is also really important to us. Yeah, let's talk about that. So what are some of the, the no-nos to do with digital payments? What should we, what should we avoid so we don't uh, so make, some, make some mistakes with our money? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing that we've been talking about lately and trying to educate our consumers is only send money to people you know and trust. Because as we said before, you know, the great thing about this, the money goes right into your bank account. It happens in minutes. That's all wonderful. But if you're sending to a fraudster, that is not wonderful. So what can you do to protect yourself? Make sure you know the person that you're sending money to. And double-check the information that you're putting in into the app. Make sure that that is their latest phone number and that you typed in the email address correctly um, just to ensure that you're doing everything you can to, to keep your money safe and get it to the person you want it to, to get it to. Okay, so I'm going to a Lions game tomorrow night, Detroit Lions, and my let's say my brother buys me a beer. 
I can zell him some money to pay him back. But on Saturday, when I'm trying to sell uh, an office chair that I don't want anymore on Craigslist and the guy comes over to buy it, don't zell him the money is what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, if the guy who came over to buy it was your next door neighbor and you feel comfortable with that, I, I, absolutely. It's again about that trusted relationship. You, you know them. Um, but yeah, if you know you were going to go buy tickets for a concert off of an online site and the person you know offering a great deal for the last minute rate to get tonight's concert tickets, um, don't send them the money with sell. It, it's it's likely to be a scam, and I mean, if it's not, you just you can't be too certain about that, and you want to keep your money safe. So make sure, yes, you can sell your brother the the money for that beer, or if your next door neighbor wants to buy that office chair, great. But if it's someone you don't know, then that's not the best way for you to be using Zelle. Make sure you're sending to to friends and family or other people you know you're familiar with, like a, like a babysitter, that next door neighbor, your personal trainer, etc. Uh, Melissa, you're saving people hundreds of dollars today in heartache. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That, that, that's what we're here for. We want, we want to make it easier for you to, to send money to all those people you know. Very cool. Well, so th- this this wave of peer-to-peer payments really interesting to me because this, this just didn't exist a little while ago. You know, we gave cash and we cut checks to people, you know, to pay back. I was reading an article about, um, I think, a woman who was organizing a a shower for some friends to come over and then we're all going to contribute to the food and the gifts. And instead of, instead of, you know, cutting checks, it's, Hey, can I do this uh, through a peer to peer system? So are you seeing this wave of adoption happen just from like the millennial techie group or is this across a spectrum of, of everybody? You know, it's while it started with millennials, um, it certainly hasn't ended there. We've been really excited to see that this is being used by by folks of all ages for a variety of different things. But like we recently saw, um, I think it was for someone's maybe 20-year high school reunion that they were asking folks to pay for the tickets which contributed then to, like, the food at the event using Zelle. And we're like, that's awesome. We love that people are thinking of all these different ways to make their lives a little bit easier um, by using Zelle. And and I've seen it. I've got two young kids, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, and any way I can make life a little bit easier is something I definitely welcome because life is just crazy all the time. But even just things like one of the preschool moms made the, the yearbook for, for the class, and it was just really easy to pay her using Zelle instead of then making sure I could get a check down to the preschool and put it in the preschool envelope so then she could go and pick it up. So definitely whether you're a millennial, Gen X, or, or a boomer, we're seeing all different age ranges using it. And we do think, you know, part of that is because of that, um, for us at least, that comfort of knowing, okay, it's something my bank offers. It's not some new thing that I can't be so sure about and I don't know yet. I trust my bank and they're saying, you know, Zelle is available on their app. I'll give it a try. Got it. Okay. Well, let's talk about the process though. So I've got it in my app. Let's say I work with uh, one of the banks. Could Actually, could you tell us like what banks do you work with? And, and if the list is too long, then I understand, mm-hmm. but maybe you could help us to understand for the majority of people who work with those types of banks. Absolutely. So we have uh, 29 banks and credit unions that are currently live with Zelle. And by that, I mean, if you went to their online banking website or their mobile banking app, you could find Send Money with Zelle in that experience. Um, 
And then there are another, gosh, over, you know, we have over 100 additional banks and credit unions that are signed up with Zelle and will be offering the service soon. But there's a number of names you'd be very familiar with. You mentioned PMC earlier. Um, they offer Zelle, you know, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase City, as well as, you know, smaller, more regional banks and credit unions. So it doesn't matter if, if you're at a big national bank a smaller, you know, local credit union, um, Zelle is being offered by those institutions of all sizes. And if it's not offered by them yet, um, the list is growing every day. Um, and in the meantime, you can also download the Zelle app and still be part of the service. Okay. What, what does it cost me to use Zelle? It will not cost you anything. Zelle does not charge consumers to use the service. And actually, it is up to banks if they want to pass along a cost to use Zelle, and uh, we're not aware of any of um, them doing that. So you should, before you go ahead and send money with Zelle through, through your bank or credit union, you probably want to check the terms of service there to ensure you don't have any fees, um, but we're not aware of any of them charging consumers. Okay. When, when, it's, when it's free, when services are free, always on our FinTech Spotlight, we always ask this question, how does your company make money then? Yes. Great question. So we make money because we charge the banks and credit unions that participate in Zelle. Um, we, every time you send a transaction with a PMC, for instance, then a PMC is charged by us. So um, banks and credit unions see a lot of value to a service like this. Um, it's becoming table stakes. You know, more and more people are using it and expecting to be able to do peer-to-peer payments and with their bank. Um, and if you're going to your bank, you know they, they want to engage you, provide you with a um, services you're looking for. So for them, it's, it's really valuable. Um, so they're willing to pay that fee um, and not necessarily pass it on to the consumer. So this is a, a, a competitive opportunity. They want to you know, provide as much value as possible, knowing uh, the, the mass competition out there. So everybody, hey, we're winning with, uh, with <laughs> when competition is fierce in the baking industry, consumers win, I guess, is what you're saying, right? It's kind of like a long time ago with bill pay, um, and uh, that was a new thing, and people thought about charging for it, but then it was, no, everyone's going to be offering this. The, the competition is fierce, so at the end of the day, the consumers win and get access to a service that's valuable and, and don't have to pay for it directly. Ah, this is when capitalism rocks. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, so if my bank is not on the list, walk, walk us through how that process works again. Yeah, if your bank is not on the list, no problem. Um, and you can check to see if your bank offers it or not by going to zellpay.com and clicking Get Started. Um, and then you can search for your bank or credit union and see if it shows up on the list. If it does, we can actually direct you right over to, to your bank or credit union to, to get enrolled over there. Um, but if it doesn't show up on the list, then what you would do is you would download the Zell app. And we have it available uh, for iOS and Android. Um, and you'll be able to just go to the store, download the Zelle app for free, um, and then you'll have to provide a few basic pieces of information about yourself, you know, your, your contact information, mobile number, and email, and your debit card so that we know where to send and receive uh, the money. And then you can get started, and you can start sending and receiving uh, money with friends and family in minutes. Excellent. Well, everybody, we're going to put a link in our show notes for you to learn more about Zelle and connect it with your bank. Or again, as uh, Melissa said, download the uh, download the app. And free, Melissa, free is our favorite price on the show. I just wanted to let you know that uh, before we. Before, before. I'm sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> before we sign off. What's what's the adoption been like for Zell? I know you guys have uh, been around for a little over a year, but the company uh, uh, in, in its capacity has been around for, you know, 25 plus. But uh, what's the adoption been lately? We've been so excited about the adoption. It's been really great to see. So since Zell celebrated its first anniversary uh, just a couple months ago, we launched the brand uh, on June 12th uh, of 2017. So it's been over a year. We've processed over 320 million transactions um, for over $94 billion in that first year. So close to that $100 billion mark, which is just so exciting to see. Um, And again, seeing that that's being used by folks of all generations for all sorts of things to make their lives a little bit easier. Um, and just knowing that in a year ago, when I would tell friends I was working on Zell, they'd be like, what, so wait, what is Zell again? Or what does that mean? Um, and now when I'm traveling and I've got my Zell backpack on, because yes, I, I love wearing my Zell backpack, people will stop me and be like, oh my gosh, do you work at Zell? I love Zell. And that just makes you feel so good to know that you're working on something that that people love and that can actually, like I said, make their lives a little bit easier because no one loves focusing on payments. So if they can get that payment out of the way and move on to the fun things, then that's great. And free to boot. Love it. Very cool. Well, Melissa, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time today, and uh, we appreciate it. Again, I'll put, I'll put that link in the show notes for everybody to try. Zell, thanks so much, Melissa. Great. Thank you. Oh, that was such a great show, jam-packed with wealth-building goodness. Thank you to Brian, Allison, Sherwin, and Melissa. And a big thank you to you. Yes, you, the one who's jogging right now or cleaning or driving in traffic or just hanging out listening to the show on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Thank you for checking out this podcast and giving me some of your time. I really, really appreciate it. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 98. This month on the show, we have three new fresh and fun guests that are going to help you build wealth and have an excellent family life. Next week, the award-winning personal finance writer Jay Money from Budgets Are Sexy fame is joining us to talk about why we need to track our net worth. The week after that is episode 100, my friends. 100 episodes. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we've done 100 episodes. (laughs) Once a week for 100 weeks. Anyway, episode 100, I am dedicating to my family once again. We are chatting with my wife, Nicole. I might even invite uh, Calvi Boy and and Zoe, but uh, we'll see. Definitely Nicole. I did this on episode 50, and I'll do it every 50 episodes because my family is the most important, and they get the premiere slots. Family first, everybody. And for the last Monday of the month, I'll be joined by Joel Larsgaard, who is going to share how investing in rental properties has allowed his wife to stay at home with their two young kids. Again, family first. September is going to be another incredible month for the show. We had a record number of downloads in August, and I know September will be even better. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Robert Kiyosaki. Financial freedom is available to those who learn about it and work for it. Let's put our learning into action, my friends. 
Carpe Diem. 